would have been out here a little bit sooner, but they gave me uh, the wrong dressing room, and I couldn't find any place to put my stuff. And I don't know how you are, but I need a place to put my stuff. So. How much stuff is enough stuff for you? I mean, how much do we really need? That's the whole meaning of life, isn't it? Trying to find a place for your stuff. That was the late, great comedian George Carlin. I don't think anybody had more fun talking about stuff than George Carlin did. But he had a point, didn't he? I mean, how much stuff do we really need? And how much time and energy in this short life do we really want to devote to our stuff? In today's episode, wisdom comes to us from the most unlikely of places, the candid honesty of a small child who reminds us that happiness doesn't come from having too much, but from the way of gratitude. Gratitude is the power that loosens the knots of anxiety and unhappiness within us. Well, here's to you, Mr. Carlin. Today's episode is called Too Much. I'm Mark Giuliano, and this is Rags of Light, where ordinary people's extraordinary stories help light the way. Shoulder to shoulder, I know we'll find a way. Shoulder to shoulder, we'll build a better day. And I don't know about tomorrow, and I don't know about today. But in the deep of the darkest night, oh Lord, I know you'll light, I know you'll light the way. Bubble Butt. That was my nickname for him. Bubble Butt. Okay, I never called him that to his face. He was way too cute. Adorable, really. And I certainly wouldn't want to give the kid with the waddling duck butt a complex or something. He was, after all, just barely three years young. But he did have a bubble butt. You would, too, if your parents had ditched the diapers and moved you on to puffy training pants that were often conspicuously bulging out from underneath your gray corduroys. Teddy was my wife's charge the first summer we were married. The little tyke she cared for while his mother was serving the greater good as a nurse in the local hospital and his father was on the lake fishing or in the bush hunting or trapping. I wouldn't use the word babysitter for Beth. It wasn't exactly the right term for her role that summer. Teddy wasn't a baby, after all. He was a toddler. Besides, Beth didn't just mind Teddy when his parents were away. She also took care of him when his folks were around. Nanny might have been a better title since Teddy was Beth's responsibility when his parents were gone and when they were within a quick arm's reach. Beth accompanied Teddy and his family when they hiked up along the rocky banks of the river to pick gooseberries, crowberries, chokeberries, cloudberries, and any other edible berries that both people and bears enjoy up on the Labrador. She was there to picnic with them alongside the powerful rapids of the Northwest River that charged its way into Little Lake and then on to the much, much bigger Lake Melville. Beth was included, too, when Teddy's parents hauled in a harvest from the family garden and when they cooked up a feast in their rough-hewn working kitchen. Make no mistake about it, though, Teddy's mother was still Teddy's mother. 
She was the one who rightfully called the shots. She set the tone. She made the rules. What Teddy wore, or when he'd nap. What he'd eat for lunch, snack, and dinner was her call, too. And whenever there was something exciting on the menu, ice cream or chokeberry pie, perhaps, Teddy's mother would be the one to caution, Now, Teddy, don't take too much. If there were cookies or candies being offered, she'd furrow her brow, glare in Teddy's direction with laser beam eyes and say, Teddy, don't take too much. If there were potato chips from the store available, a particular favorite of Teddy's, she might even have to growl like a mama bear. Teddy, I said don't take too much. When you're three, though, too much sounds like a good amount. It sounds like the right amount. And if it's something you're constantly being told not to take, you start to suspect that maybe, just maybe, the grown-ups are in on some sort of conspiracy to shortchange you. After all, they did set that very big adult-sized plate down on the table in front of you at dinner time. Why wouldn't they let you fill it with whatever you wanted, even if it was too much? At just three years young, though, Teddy may have figured out the trick, broken the code, aligned the tumblers that would unlock the mystery of his childhood and release him into the perceived abundance of the adult world. You see, one evening... As Teddy's mother scooped out the mashed potatoes, another one of Teddy's favorites, she asked her son how much she should put on his plate. Aha! This is my moment, Teddy must have secretly mused while rubbing his hands together with diabolical delight. She walked straight into my trap, he may have snickered under his breath. <laughs> Teddy made sure that his response was clear and direct. He answered just as he had been asked, by giving his mother the precise amount that he wanted, the very quantity he'd been warned against time and time again. Mom, he declared, I want too much. For me, Teddy's story is a delightful one. His approach to having more is wonderful. It could be considered downright sweet if it didn't have such profound implications for what it says about us as we grow into adulthood. Teddy's words remind me of something I battle with each and every day of my life. And if the psychologists and the social theorists are correct, you probably do too. It's called the scarcity mindset. Wanting more. Like Teddy, wanting too much. It's the anxiety we experience about not having enough. Enough money, enough recognition, enough stuff, or even enough time to complete all the things we believe we should be getting done. It's the stress we feel about achieving all the things we believe we should in our short lifetimes. Or the anxiety about finding the perfect mate, or getting that top-rung position at work that we've been angling toward for quite some time. Or it's about buying that bigger house 
in that nicer neighborhood. It's that consuming anxiousness about getting enough likes on our most recent social media post. Or finally getting into shape, shedding enough weight to fit into our old blue jeans again. Or writing that book we've always felt we had bubbling within ourselves. Or taking that spectacular global trip that our friends keep talking about even years after they took it. Grr. With aging, you might think comes wisdom. But left unattended, aging can exacerbate the scarcity mindset. The ticking clock is winding down. The pages on the calendar are turning over. Has it really been 40 years since I graduated from high school? What have I done with my life, I fret. It's not just the perceived lack of hours in my day that needles away at me as I get older. It's the perceived lack of days remaining in my time here on this good earth. Of course, we need to be careful not to confuse the scarcity mindset with the very real scarcity that billions of people on our planet struggle with each and every day. Not enough food to eat or safe water for themselves and their families to drink. Lack of housing, health care, or safety in the neighborhood. There's a huge gaping chasm between wanting too much and not having enough at all. Between hunger for more and outright starvation. Between desire for a bigger or nicer home and homelessness. That kind of scarcity has a greater urgency. But the scarcity mindset is real too. It's not just born out of our self-serving, have-it-all-and-have-it-now culture. Our consumer culture simply plays on something within every single one of us that already exists. It's our deep human need to be valued, affirmed, and loved. Our shopping trips to the mall or online simply give us a place to go, a distraction from what is real. When the going gets tough, the anxious, we go shopping. We take on another project, a workout plan, or overschedule our calendars trying to squeeze every remaining minute out of what we perceive as not enough time. The good news is that there is a great antidote to the scarcity mindset. It's called the way of gratitude. And I believe Teddy's mom was already on the right track, along with billions of other loving parents throughout the world and throughout history who've encouraged their children to be thankful for what they had. I'm talking about parents who taught their kids to say a prayer at mealtimes and before going to bed at night so that they could see that their plates, like their hearts, were already full, and that they were loved enough for a lifetime and more by their families and friends, by the earth that fed them, and by God who made them. The 13th and 14th century mystic, Meister Eckert, once said, If the only prayer you ever learn in your entire life is thank you, it will be enough. The way of gratitude is the power that loosens the tangled knot of anxiety twisted so tightly within us. 
decades after young Teddy ordered himself up a heaping helping of too much, I still hear his words echoing in my thoughts. They are a gift that remind me that my plate, like my heart, is already full too. Thank you, Bubble Butt. Mark Giuliano here. Hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode of Rags of Light. If you did, please subscribe to our podcast or share with family and friends or someone who might need just a little inspiration. Rags of Light, where ordinary people's extraordinary stories help light the way. Shoulder to shoulder, I know we'll find a way. Shoulder to shoulder. the darkest night, oh Lord, I know your light.